somebody and say, welcome to City Hills Church. Happy to Cinco de Mayo. How many people are having fajitas after service today? All right, I like chicken and beef, if you're inviting me. Man, it's such a privilege to be in the house of God with you today. Um, you know, I've heard it a couple times, so I'm just going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Yes, I shaved. Yes, I know I look like a chubby teenager. Yes. No, I didn't shave because I was preaching today. I've heard a couple things, but yeah, I do this a couple times a year, so it's out there. We're done. Um, but seriously, I'm here today because, you know, Pastor Mitch and Pastor Brandy are getting a little break, a little vacay. Y'all give it up for our pastors. When they hear this podcast, let them know that we love them. We love them. We appreciate them. And we are glad that they get the opportunity to get away. They can, they can trust us. They can experience, you know, some family time. It's hard to be a pastor because you work on everybody else's weekend. Amen. You go into work, they still have kids, and they got to go to Disneyland, and it looks amazing, and we're just praying that they come back refreshed and fulfilled. Amen? So this week, remember to pray for them. I want you to take a second. We're going to jump into this today. If I could title this anything, it would be, There is More. There is more. We are uh, in a season of growth, a season of revival for those of you who, who speak church ease. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful time to be alive. I'm still uh, basking in what God did for Easter. We had over 600 people make this church the place they went to church on Easter Sunday. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. And even more important, more exciting than that was that we had 67 recorded um, conversions or people accepting Jesus that service, 67 that we heard about. That's not including the ones who maybe were too shy to put it on a card. Everybody say, God is moving. Everybody say, God is moving. This season makes me think about the times that I've experienced God transforming my life. I think all the way back to when I first encountered God in a, in a very special, unique way, when the Spirit filled me. It was, I was seven years old. I was just a kid. But I began to think about the journey, the intentionality of my mom, just making sure we understood that, you know, Jesus was first. We would go play football. Um, we couldn't play football if we were going to miss church. So I would go play a football game on a Friday night and then go to youth service and hang out with my friends after that. Or I would go on a Wednesday night when we were in middle school and we'd play and then we'd go to church all stinky, like in our pads. It was weird. But mom was like, you know what? This is first. This is the main thing. So you're going to do this. And I began to think about all of the good things that God has done, and it made me reflect. And I want you to take just a second. I want you to close your eyes all over this house, and I want you to think about when you came to the Lord. It may have been a long time ago like me, or it may have been just recently, or maybe you're on your way back. But close your eyes, and I want you to think about when you came to the Lord. I want those emotions, those feelings that you experienced when you were converted, when you experienced the Lord for the first time to, to flood back into your mind. How did you approach people? How did you approach your family, your husband? For some of us, it was revelatory. You can open your eyes. We finally had this revelation that God is real, that he is powerful, and he loves me. For others, we just had to stop running and turn around and get smacked in the face by goodness and mercy. That's been chasing us down, following us all the days of our lives some of us are more traditional. We grew up in church where there was an altar, and you had to come down to an altar. And in that moment, you made a declaration, and God began to pour his spirit out, and, and, and you were transformed. But for some of us, it was in a college campus. It was 
maybe in a car, maybe, maybe in someone's living room, something happened and you experienced the power and the love of God. What I love about Jesus is that, you know, his power is something that, that may have been new to me, but the Bible tells us that God knew us from the foundation of the world. Look at this Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. He says it just like that, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. He knew me, and now my life has never been the same, but something has happened. Now I get to know him, amen? I have the privilege of knowing this great God. My buddy Torn wrote a song called Know, and I love knowing it. And one of the cool parts of the lyrics is to be fully known and, and, and to know God. I'm fully known by him and all of my imperfections. Philippians 3.10, Paul says it like this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I want all of these things. Life has never been the same. Amen? There's been a transition, a relationship, newness of life. And like many of us have experienced, when you decide to follow Jesus, it's not always easy. There is a stretching. There is a cutting away of maybe some old relationships or old habits and old things. But with each thing that falls away from you, with each scale that comes off of your eyes, you experience the freedom that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You begin to think differently. You begin to talk differently because where his spirit is, there is liberty. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says this, that for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Now I'm going to need y'all to get with me. Y'all, you can't sit back in here because I'm not used to that, and I'll get nervous, and I'll start singing again. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my tendency. If you guys begin to just sink in those chairs, I may just have Henry come on up a little early, and we'll just start, we'll start the organ, as Pastor Mitch always says. But y'all got to get with me. At City Hills, it's our desire. Intentionally, it is our desire that every person, not just in this church, but in this world, on this planet, in this city, has the opportunity to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. If you believe that, put your hands together this morning. But what I want to encourage you today I want to remind you today, because some of you may have this realization, some of us may not, just need a reminder, that there is more. And today we're going to venture into to what that means. There is more. But I've noticed in my own walk and relationship with God and in, you know, the times I've got to, um, you know, I was a student pastor for a long time. And even as a worship pastor, what I've, what I've realized is that everybody gets Know God, find freedom. But it's hard for us to cross over and to discover your purpose and make a difference. There's a chasm. There's this divide that, that we haven't quite lived out everything that God has for us. And I begin to think, if, what, what would I tell the people of God today? What would I tell City Hills Church if, if I had the opportunity? And, and the Lord began to just stir me up because it's something that I've wrestled with and something that I've experienced myself is that there is more. On the other side of knowing God and finding freedom, the true life, the true passion, the true joy and fulfillment comes in the discovery of my purpose. 
and the opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life. But how do you do that? What, what does that look like? What does it mean to transition into discovering and making a difference? And as I began to think about it, I began to think of words that, that came to mind when you turn something on or you engage. And the word that comes to mind first, and if you're taking notes, the first thing point today would be to activate. Activate means to turn on or to engage. And I was telling my wife about what, you know, what I was thinking about preaching. And I, I threw this word out. And she's a wordsmith. She's a communication major. And so she loves kind of picking up and helping me prepare anything that has to be presented to people. She's like your go-to person. So if you needed to edit a paper or something, she's available. For a small fee, of course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if that's appropriate for this setting, but um, side hustles. But I told, I told her, you all get debt-free community out there? Yeah. So I'm reluctant, but I'm in. I'm, I'm in. We're going to do this. I told her, you know, I, I, the first word that comes to mind, babe, is activate. And she's like, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like when you get a debit card and uh, there's a number on the front of it. And you have, to, you have to activate it by calling that number. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that. that. Uh-huh, keep going. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's good. She's preaching. And she was like, you know, you just you can't just use the card. There's got to be an activation in order for it to truly work. And then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to sit in that for a little bit. And then the Lord kind of set something in my spirit. And I was like, you know what? I could be a millionaire and walk up to an ATM with an activated, with an unactivated card and not have any access to what's mine. Activation gives you access. Activation gives you access. I want access to everything God has for me. Come on, somebody believe that in the house? If that's all it takes, God, do it in me. Do it. Turn it on. Engage it. Whatever. You know, power on. You know, I, I, whatever you have to do inside of me, I want that to happen. And then I begin to just, my mind requires me to dig a little deeper. What does that mean? I can't just get up here and say, activate and leave with this weird, weird just word. Just, you know, activate. Graylin, what does that mean? And I'm reminded of the scripture that you're activating the gift of salvation that Jesus has given us. One passage of scripture, and I'm going to give you two versions. I'm going to first give you the King James, and then I'm going to give you the New Living Translation because both of these translations hit me where I needed it to hit. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says it like this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Now, this is Paul, Paul talking to Timothy, and Timothy's got this great history. Uh, his grandmother Lois, you know, poured into him, and now it's his turn, and Paul is, is really pastoring him. He's mentoring Timothy, and he tells him to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Then I began to think about some of my favorite things in life, like flavored lemonades and chocolate milk. I remember growing up, and uh, this is back, and I, I said this in the first service, but I, I meant it because, like, when Chili's was a big deal. Y'all remember when Chili's was a big deal? Like, if you went to Chili's at the right time, you might see a professional athlete or something in there. It was a big deal. And, and even though I was broke, I was, like, super excited to go and get a drink other than water 
And the reason I was excited about that is because they had two of my favorite things. One, flavored lemonade, and two, free refills. And that was like, that was the conversation I had with the waiter most times. And just, the, you know, trying to be cool about it. Y'all got flavored lemonades? Uh, the refill's still free? Okay, cool. Bring me, I want strawberry and raspberry. You know, I'm going to start there. But one thing that was always true for that flavored lemonade, they would bring it to me. And if I paid close attention, I would always notice that the flavor was where? So what has to happen in order for that lemonade to be what I want that lemonade to be? You have to stir it up. See, all of the goodness was at the bottom. Out of the flavor, the fruit was at the bottom of the lemonade. But when you put that spoon in there and you begin to activate the contents and the gifts that's on the bottom, it began to change what was inside of that cup. I could finally realize what I expected, and that was to taste this delicious lemonade. My wife, on the other hand, is a chocolate milk fan, enthusiast to this day. And if you're old school like us, you still mix that milk. You don't buy it already pre-made. You mix it yourself because then you can contain how much you can control how much chocolate goes in there. But the same thing happens. All of the good stuff goes where? Goes to the bottom. But as soon as you put that spoon in there and you begin to stir it up, it changes not even just the flavor, but the color of it. Just, it's just beautiful, chocolatey goodness. And then cold, 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 cold chocolate milk and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich can change any situation and transport you to a place of nostalgia as a kid. And that's all it took. And everything was at peace. But it's in the activation in the stirring of the gift. Here's another one. It's real spiritual. The same is true for a fire. Anybody like to grill out there? There's something about when when or air gets on coals, hot coals or coals that begin to die. Something begins to happen when there's just a little bit of air. And, and for those of you who like to to smoke or grill, you know, you know, you got to adjust the ventilation because then it changes the dynamics of the coal and the meat and the smells and all of the goodness. I'm hungry. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so hungry. But again, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 in the New Living Translation says it like this. This is why I remind you to fan the flames of the spiritual gift that God gave you. Because it's in the stirring and the fanning of the flames that the true power is experienced. The gift of God. It reminds me of a lyric. I've been, I've been, kinda, I've been on this uh, Elevation Paradoxology. Really great, really great album. But there's one lyric from a song that says, And should the fire that once burned bright become an ember my eyes can't see, I will remember your sacrifice. I will abide in your love for me. The true power is experienced in the fanning of the flames and the stirring up of the gift. Today, I want to activate the power that God has put inside of me. The gift that God has given me. And this happens, activation happens when we believe beyond what we can see. There's something powerful about faith. Many of us are here today because we've had an experience that draws us back into the presence of the Lord week after week. That forces us, it just compels us to open up our word during the week and, and find a place to pray. 
But faith has to happen sometimes, a lot of times, when you can't see anything. And I'm reminded of stories in the scripture. Three examples. The first one is Caleb. Caleb is, he's one of the 12 spies commissioned by Moses to walk into the promised land, or at least to scout it out so the children of Israel could go in. Caleb had an experience. You know, he was there when you know, the Lord delivered them from the Egyptians. They, they were enslaved for 400 years. And Caleb at this point in the scripture is 40. And so he and the 12 go out and they begin to spy out the land. They grab some fruit off the trees. They see that it is good. But then they are terrified because the land is filled with giants. They bring this report back to Moses and they begin to, to whine and complain and just begin to explain how afraid they are and the reasons they're afraid. They have the fruit in their hands, but they're still afraid. Now, they've, they've been promised this for years. This is for them. This is the same place that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob once lived. But for some reason, these giants took away their courage. And I love the passage of Scripture in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, where Caleb literally stops them in the middle of their quibbling. And he says, silence. Let's go up and take the land now. We can do it. He was holding on to something that he couldn't see. He knew who God was. And now it was time for him to cross over. Another example would have been David. David shows up to the battlefield with the cheese and the crackers. Remember, he's bringing lunch to his brothers. And he walks up expecting to experience something different. Imagine being the young dude who's, who can't fight. All your brothers are off at war and you show up to the battlefield only to find the army that you've longed to be a part of. That you've known about and heard about your whole life only to find them cowering behind walls and barricades because there's another giant in the middle of the field and he's yelling and screaming obscenities and tearing them down and tearing their God down and something comes over David. Something is activated inside of him. Although it's probably difficult to see victory in this moment, he realized something else. And 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 17, verse 44 says this, that he walks out into the field and Goliath sees him. And this is what he tells him. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. And I love what David says to the Philistine. He says, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Get chill bumps just reading it. That the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied, the Lord will conquer you. And I love that he says this because he didn't say, I'm going to conquer you. The Lord's about to conquer you, and he's going to use my slingshot to do so. I, I added that last part. He couldn't see victory, but he knew something, something that everybody else behind him had forgotten. He knew who he served. Another example would be Peter. And I love Peter because Peter is one of those, those guys that was, is impulsive in the Scripture. He was way up, and then he was way down, and then he was way up, and then he was way down. On this particular day, he and the disciples are out in the water, and they, they are you know, in a boat, and a storm comes, and it begins to shake the, the boat to and fro, and Jesus begins to make his way out towards them, and he sees Jesus in the distance. And in Matthew 14, 27, he says, 
Jesus, is that you? And Jesus replies, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Peter calls to him and says, if this is really you, if it's really you, call me out on the water. And I love this. He can't see Jesus anywhere. But he heard his voice. And it activated something in him. So he gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. The only recorded time that someone other than Jesus walks on water. But this leads me to the next thing. There's the activation, but then there's the pursuit. There's a pursuit that begins after the activation of our faith. Something changes inside of us, and now we're in pursuit of God's plan and his call for our life. Paul, again, is the messenger of this pursuit. and He's speaking to the church at Philippi in, in, in chapter 3 of Philippians. And I love what he says because he says, I haven't made it yet, but I'm pursuing him. He literally uses these words, uh, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. He says, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past, and I'm looking forward, looking forward to what lies ahead. And I love this part because it shows the intentionality. It shows that it's requiring some effort. He says, I press and I reach. I'm blown away when I read this because I remember that the majority of Paul's writings are written from behind prison walls, behind prison bars. That even there, he's not satisfied with where he is because something has happened inside of him. There's been an activation that has caused him to pursue. It didn't matter where he was, but he knew where he was going because his destination was more important than his current location. I'm reaching, I'm racing. I'm trying to get somewhere. You see, Paul had a story. Paul had an experience. Paul had a testimony. And so he had to let every person know what God had done for him. Churches, Galatia, Philippi, Ephesians, Timothy, Thessalonians. He, he was everywhere. He just, how are you doing this behind prison Walls, something that was activated inside of him that caused him to pursue it and ended up changing the world. And that is where the power is in the transfer. Freedom Conference was yesterday and uh, Friday and Saturday, and I just just knowing that it was taking place had me, you know, think back to. You know, my experience with the Freedom Conference last year and even my own freedom group. And I remember sitting around a table as we went through the book and we discussed, you know, different, um, different things throughout the scripture, different um, ways to approach challenges and, and live out this, this gift of salvation that we have. And I was reminded of a particular couple that was at my table on more than one occasion and with each time they gave their testimony, I got a little glimpse into what it is God had done for them. The way Mike and Paige Cokerham communicated about their conversion resonated with me down deep in my soul. The hills and the valleys that God had brought them through began to shine light 
on how and, and why they live and serve the way they do. Why they raise their children the way, the way they raise their children. Why they love people the way they love people. Because what God had did for them, has done for them over the years, the victories, the hills, the trials, the stretching, the pushing, was something that cannot, could not be contained. One of my first experiences with my co-grim, Jonathan, was there, was when we were still at the school across the parking lot. And I, I don't think I'd ever met these guys. They hadn't met us. And we were tearing down a school, and they just came up and started grabbing cables. And I was like, I was happy for a couple reasons. One, they just grabbed cables. And two, they knew what they were doing when they were rolling cables. It's not, it's not always easy to do. But they were so intentional about just finding somewhere to work. Thinking back to their testimony of what God did for them, I, I, could, I could see why, why Paige serves the way she serves, why she, on a serve day, had us cleaning tobacco resin off of the inside of an old trailer. She was literally the hands and feet of Jesus on that day, and she created an opportunity for many others, many others like myself, to be a part of that. Then it began to make sense. There's been an activation, a pursuit, and now a transfer. What God has done in their life was something that they just couldn't allow to lay dormant inside of them. All the good stuff just hanging out. Man, God, you did it, you did it again. No, there was a stirring, and it, it propelled them that I, I've, got to, I've got to live this out somewhere else. There's a stirring, a fanning of the flame. Many of you have been to their home for a dinner on a connect group night. Many of you have served alongside one of them. You've served with their kids because there's been a transfer. And when I look around this church today, there are so many other stories that I could spend some time talking about. And I'm reminded of how important it is to truly live out this salvation. I've known God. I found freedom. He's delivered me over and over again. But now I, I've got to pursue my purpose because I need to make a difference. Church, we can't be satisfied with just sitting on the gift of salvation. We have to do something with it. It wasn't meant to be contained. That's why letters could change the planet. Could change, literally, letters from prison change planet because Paul knew he had an experience. There was a, an activation, a transfer. He pursued him to the very end. Paul had a story. And there's something power about, powerful about sharing your story. Your testimony you're new to church, that's really just your story, what God did for you. So much so 
And it literally says that it, it, it's, it defeats the enemy. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this. And they have defeated him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The power is in the transfer. Some of us are walking around with stories of victory and scars that serve as symbols that remind us that what the enemy tried to kill us with only stretched us, grew us. We eventually healed. And now those scars serve as reminders of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So much power in a testimony. Someone needs to hear your story. And it may not come from behind a pulpit. It may come from across the table at a dinner party. It may come shooting guns at a connect group. It may come on the way to a women's conference or a men's conference. But we've got to be in community because there's a power there. Recently, I listened to a message by Jetson Franklin, and it was titled, Two Enemies We Must Overcome. And he makes this statement, and it resonated with me deeply. He says, if the Jesus inside of you is not bigger than what people see on the outside of you, then you're not very powerful. We are called to be powerful. We are called to be light. We are called to be resolute, to be kind, to be loving, to be spirit-led. We get to know God. We have found freedom, but we cannot stop there. I'm older, and now I really understand this, that although I re received God's Spirit at a very young age and was raised in this, I had fallen um, of my own accord. I'm not even going to say I'm not a victim, but I've just fallen into the trap of, like, the culture of Christianity, of uh, really just consumption. I consume, I consume week in and week out. I hear great preaching. I hear amazing services, the word of God, and I'm just feasting. I'm just eating. I'm just eating. I'm drinking deep in worship services. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. The music is amazing. The vocalists are hitting every part, and I'm getting the goosies, and I'm feeling so good. I'm just drinking deep. And then I show up to connect group, and I'm affirmed, and I'm loved, and I'm indulging. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. I feel great. But I struggled with the crossover into discovering my purpose and making a difference. But today, I choose to step into what God has called me to do. I choose to stretch myself, to share my testimony and my story so that I can discover. See, the power is in the journey. It's in the discovery. And there's nothing more powerful than helping lead someone to the Lord. Just being a friend who's consistent and points to Jesus. It may be on this stage. It may be behind drums. It may be behind a microphone. It may not be. See, people think that just growth track is just a place where we just send people to, uh, you know, to beef up to the dream team and to get volunteers. And that is true. That is what it is. But one of the things that is so powerful about growth track is it helps you find areas that you are 
passionate about. If you're looking for a place to get plugged in and get involved, start there. Start with other people who are journeying with you. Somebody stopped me after last service and was like, man, this message was for me. I've been struggling. You know, I've, been, I've, I've got this thing inside of me that I feel God's called me to do. I've even used it somewhere else, but I, I just haven't really jumped in here. And, you know, I really feel like God's calling me. And I'm like, yes, that's it. That's it. We get to make a difference. We want you to experience the power of God. But we want there to be an activation, a pursuit, and a transfer. Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning? I pray that there's a stirring in your spirit right now. This is not to be condemning. This is, this is, hopefully it conveys the passion that I feel for the season that we're in as a church, but even as a, as a world, a planet, that God is, is wanting to unleash something supernatural. We saw it on Easter Sunday. We're not even three years old yet. We had record attendance, 600 people, 67 people in one service or one day, excuse me, is made a commitment to follow Jesus. And at City Hills, we, we say it over and over because we believe it, but our desire is not just, it's not just something we do here. It's God's desire, his plan for every single one of you. This is why he died this is why he's, he was risen from the dead. This is why he's now given us his spirit. It's because he wants us to live this. And I feel it so strongly. I believe that God is going to do something amazing in this city. Through this church, that your testimonies are going to spark the the growth, the revival that we believe God is, is pouring out upon this house. And I just, I encourage you today, just activate that faith. I can't see it yet, God, but stir it up inside of me. Fan the flames, Jesus. And just begin that pursuit, God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cross this divide into what you've called me to do so that I can be a light so that I can make a difference in someone's life. Now, if you're here for the first time and you've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit or chosen to take the next steps in your walk and relationship with the Lord, I want to encourage you that there's no better day than today to do so. I pray that you're feeling this desire. Some of us are driven by the need to serve our community. Some of us are, are driven by, you know, a longing for a depth and a feeling of closeness to God and a supernatural power. I just want to let you know that that, what you're feeling right now is the presence of the Lord. And there's an opportunity to live this out, to serve his people. Just find it, pursue it, and transfer it. I'm going to pray right now if you would pray with me. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for the opportunity to know you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for everything that you've given us. But, Lord, we thank you for this unsettling, this stirring, Lord God, that's happening in our minds, our hearts, and our emotions now. I pray that there would be a stirring in our spirits, Lord God, to, to not just take what we've been given. 
I don't want to just be saved, Lord God. I want to serve. I want to live this out. I pray for, Lord, the hearts and minds of your people, Lord God. Equip them. Let them know that they are equipped for whatever you've called them to do. And, Lord, we're going to see more people come. We're going to see more lives changed, more families restored, more healings take place because your word promised it. You said that's what you wanted for us. We trust you. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.